1: hello there hey how's everything going for you today everyone treating you kindly good <laughs> that's what matters especially if you're in the car all day you want to have pleasant people to hang out with. So what kind of music do you like?
2: I like all kind
1: of music. Do you like soft rock?
2: Soft rock? Yeah. No, it's not one it. on my 70s playlist. 70s and 80s. Uh, turn on Hesby Billy Ocean
1: and uh, Christopher Cross and those guys. And
3: yeah, I like Well, the, if you ever
1: want to... Meet up with lots of positive, phenomenal people. This is the band I'm in, Yachtly Crew. We're oh, playing yeah. tonight at the House of Blues. Actually, our first time on the huge, huge stage. We're so excited. Oh really? Yeah, it's been picking up steam. A lot of positivity in that in that audience. And anytime we play somewhere, it's just good vibes all over the place. We, uh, just a right
2: we wear these rock?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. All the love songs. You never realized how. Look at this. We all wear our, Captain our captain's hands. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. our captain's hats our blue blazers our white pants white shirts oh man it's just so much fun and so it's like basically we uh we treat it like it's a time travel we kind of take everyone on this big dream cruise <gasps> back through the 70s and 80s and wow you never realized just how many of these songs you're like, oh my God! I totally grew up with these songs. Hearing them in the malls, hearing them in the grocery stores, right. hearing them in a on TV. like on TV. You know, with soundtracks and films. You're going, oh my God, no way, that song! And, uh, oh man, it's just amazing because all these people are sharing these memories with each other, and it's wow, it's just amazing. And plus, a lot of those bands are not out there touring, or uh, maybe they only had like right, one so hit why, song.
2: Like I said, it's like a nostalgia type of thing. You bring people back to a, a, a moment in time yeah oh
1: man it's so i never realized until i joined this band that by singing love songs like wow i mean there are you there are or, guys Why or uh, i sing along with the guys I'm behind mm-hmm. the keyboards we got seven okay. guys in the in the band and uh, i would say the the superstar of the band is a saxophone player we got who is uh he, the poor guy broke his foot he jumped off of like a 5 foot tall uh, incline uh-huh. um, during a couple of the songs he'll go out there he's got a cordless uh, or a, what do you call it wireless wireless mic on his sax he'll go out there and a lot of times he'll walk walk along the bar tops or um, pop see. up in someone's booth and
2: oh,
1: oh yeah it's so fun so one, what, one time he ended up uh, getting a little too high up there and jumping off and breaking his foot his heel so now he's in a. Now he's in a. Uh, he
2: was he wearing, yeah,
1: he. Well, he was wearing his. Uh, he's wearing his boat shoes, and now his one heel. He's got. He's got actually one of those casts. It's like a, a really soft cast. But so the good news is he's walking on it now. Before we know it, he'll be dancing and going back out. You know, climbing on tables again. But man, it's it's so good. What kind of what kind of music do you prefer?
2: I mean, rock. All right, I do mean. Oh, you're right? Yeah, I'm an artist. What, um...
1: Oh, uh, Oh, okay. I got you. You're, you rap.
2: Yeah, and, uh, I come from a rap. back, rap.
1: Do you have music RAD. out there that that's uh, yeah, available only, on SoundCloud or something?
2: Yeah, I'm like, I can't drive it right now, man. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm out But when I, you know, basically... Yeah. on West Avenue. It's I'm your alter ego? not an alter ego I'm an established artist driving who basically you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying so that's why I say so I mean, a lot I of folks like, like that e- not an alter make ego a right just, you know I got it now basically I'm an artist but mm-hmm. where would people be able to find your stuff everywhere everywhere you can download just music ahead, or right,
3: on Amoeba
2: Avenue. or what, what I mean? cause I haven't put out uh, my last project I put out was last year. Make a
3: slide right, turn on the oh, okay. At the
2: beginning of last year, I did a, a collaboration album with my um, with my boy. Cool. Yeah. What's What's the name of your project? The last one was called Open to Inglewood because I'm from Oakland and he's from Inglewood. Just oh, open to Inglewood. Oakland. Oakland
1: to Inglewood. Yeah. And uh, so is that was that the like the the name of your, your
2: project that you that carry on with, with? No, no, no that's the name of the project that I did with my boy. Oh, gotcha. He's an artist from Inglewood, and I'm an artist from Oakland. I'm from Oakland. He's from Inglewood. That's great. So it's Oakland to Inglewood. And so Oakland Inglewood, and then we'll,
1: that should uh, pop up stuff on just yeah. what, everywhere, huh? Yeah, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you download music. You just
2: put uh, Oakland to Inglewood, and you'll see it. It's a bright red. Right, red cover. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, you know, I act. I'm a screenwriter. Uh, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. So, what
1: um, what are some of the projects that uh, oh, this is the one yeah. that people could find your
2: um, well, as far stuff. as like 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 my acting yeah uh like I was on ER before Drop they off, stopped the shooting there. Oh, cool. That was like my first first gig. Oh, that's great. Well, my first pan. That's what got me SAG eligible and all that oh, stuff. Oh, here we go, right yeah. here. Well, thank you so much, man. This is this is a, a great
1: ride, and uh, may you uh, do all the great things that you love you doing. I, I just got gotta... to. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. We can't wait. Can't wait to yacht rock their socks off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Take care. Yes, Thanks, bye. <laughs> There you, well, there you go. Oakland to Inglewood.
0: I think I'm listening to Inspirato Projecto.
4: Once again, you are listening to Man Behind the Machine.
1: All right. Okay. So, here you are philly ocean on the way to another Yachtly crew show how's
5: it going everybody
1: uh you might have heard in the last podcast there is a show tonight at the house of blues large 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 stage if you'd like to get those free tickets please visit yachtleycrew.com you'll get free tickets but this is only before six o'clock p.m and then it then it's over and then you got to find those tickets someplace else so okay so i always wanted to know phil what is your what's your history with singing
5: how long do you have <laughs> did, did you?
1: <laughs> I started singing Lionel Richie when I came out of the womb. when did you? Uh, kind of. When did you first start singing that? That people started you know, telling a funny
5: you. Funny story. I actually, my history with music goes back to when I was in the womb. Really. Because my parents would constantly play music, um, and uh, I mean, they just—my mom always had the record player on and whatever. They were listening to a lot of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, wow. and Fleetwood Mac, and you know all of these uh, 70s bands that um, some years later, miraculously, I knew all of the lyrics to.
1: Oh, my God.
5: And my mom commented on it. She was like, I can't believe you. you know the lyrics to these songs. It must have been because you heard them so many times when I played them and you were in the room. Wow. Um, wow. But, you know, uh, I mean... I have, I'm an only child, and I have always been in the mode of really entertaining myself and entertaining my mom, and um, I, I've always loved music, I've always loved to sing, um, I used to sing along to Richie Valens, uh, La Bamba, when I was a kid, and um, just always, I've always loved it, it's always had a profound effect on my life. So what, what's the first,
1: because uh, I can imagine you definitely being in talent shows and stuff growing up. Like, what was the first time where you go, you know, what the heck, I'm going to, whether maybe it's a musical, maybe it's a talent show, an open mic, you know, where you go, I'm going to go ahead and sing for the populace right now.
5: The first memory I had was <clears throat> when I was probably seven or eight years old, I was, and still am, by the way, obsessed with the movie Can't Ghostbusters. Just obsessed with it. And we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, and we were in a Kmart, and they had the, the toy proton pack that was made by Mattel, and it was like something like 20 or $25, which in 1988 or 89 is no small amount of money. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, and my mom, you know, she didn't have that kind of money, and I wanted it so bad, and I was so bummed that I couldn't, she wouldn't get it for me, and... I didn't get a lot of toys when I was really young because we just, they just didn't have the money. I'd get them on, like, the holidays and the birthdays and stuff. But never just because, you know? And, um... And so... But she, she said, you know what, though? If you want to figure out a way to make, make some money yourself, then I'll bring you back here and you can buy it. And so we went back to her place. My mom... She, she had quite uh, a social life when I was younger. She would, um... She would have friends over and they would party and they would, you know, have drinks or whatever. And I actually, when I was, when I was younger, I actually was, that was the resident bartender. Oh yeah. I, would, <laughs> I was tasked with making, let me tell you, I can make a wicked gin and tonic. Oh, that's great. Which was the drink at the time. Um, and so she had some friends over that night and I got it in my head that I was going to do a talent show, but I was going to charge $5 oh. admission. <laughs> Dude that's brilliant. That's and brilliant. And she had four or five friends over and I charged everybody 5 bucks. Oh my god. Incredible. And, then, and that night I made I made, you know, the 20 or 25 bucks dude to buy this Proton pack and then bugged her every day for about a week until she took me back over to buy it. Oh my god. Um so wow. I, I think probably somewhere in my young mind that moment was me kind of threading the needle. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You know, I could I could maybe maybe wow. there's something to this. Wow. Um that's so that's so clever. Yeah, that was that That's was so clever. My first, she must have been so experience. proud of you going, "Wow, look how fast you did that." Well, I think <laughs> she know, like, I oh think out She she's always been very proud of me. I think probably it was not her preferred method of me. Right. basically charging her friends, yeah. but you know, they loved it. <laughs> that's great. They uh, they 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 dug it. They thought it was hilarious. Oh, so. that is great. That is great. So that, I
1: mean, it sounds to me like that was like a... Excuse um, Yeah. There was like a domino that started That was a, a huge domino. Yep. Maybe one of the first. What would you say was the... You know, because I, I assume that would give you confidence to go... With experience to go into the next one. What What do you think was the next one? Maybe at school or... Well, to be... On the playground, I perhaps? mean,
5: you know what? Confidence is something that... I have a long history of struggle with mm. um, But I, I have like Most of my career both as an actor And as a singer and a performer Has been a struggle With feeling confident In what I'm doing um, and it, but, but there's just something Too important To me about Storytelling and um, Performing and um, Art that it's too important to ignore just because I don't feel necessarily confident in it. Um, and, I mean, I've been working at it for a long time, so the, the harder that I work, the more my confidence, that's, that's kind of the relationship with confidence. You know, the harder you work at something, uh, unless you're just blindly confident, which is true for some people, um, but unless you're just blindly confident, I think your relationship with confidence comes through really working and honing your skills and your craft. Mm-hmm. So, what, what was the next thing that,
1: that you did that you remember? Was it amazing? I mean,
5: we did family talent shows. Oh, that's cool. Um, it, I kind of got delayed a few years after that because uh, I had a big move when I was 10 years old from Buffalo, New York, out to Scottsdale, Arizona. And so, um, and that was actually an event that, you know, when I think back on it, affected my confidence level because uh-huh. um, you know I was, I was basically a stranger in a strange land in many ways and I um, I didn't fit in in school and I felt behind in my education because um, the Buffalo School District and the Scottsdale School District were very very different in terms of their, uh, their standards and their practice at the time um, and so I was like almost a full year behind in math And there's topics that when I got to my school out in Arizona, I had no idea what they were talking about. And I internalized it as, like, thinking that I was stupid or not Mm. smart or whatever. Like, I should know this. Um, And um, so that was a very interesting experience. I didn't, I did get into band. Um, I started playing percussion in band in fifth or sixth grade. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then it was in se- late seventh grade or early eighth grade that, so several years later, that I started performing with uh, my my best friend Brian Swanson, who I'm still friends with like 26 years later. Um, we were like super nerds, and we had joined the science club, and he was the president, and I was like the secretary, note taker, whatever, and the science teacher that was in charge of this club was really trying to get our membership up. She wanted more kids together. We were doing cool things like, you know, rocket launches and build your own rock, you know, and like... Oh, cool. Those those CO2 cars that you build out of balsa wood and um, and, uh, all these things, you know, actually cool stuff. And she wanted more people to be involved. So the school that I went to when I was in middle school was in a pretty... Nice area of town. Scottsdale is like pretty a pretty wealthy area, even though we didn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, meanwhile, my mom's working like eighty hours a week to like keep us in this apartment. Um, but we had TVs in every classroom of our school. Wow! And what they would do is they would broadcast on TV uh, the morning announcements. And most of the time, it was the vice principal He'd get up there and he just read very dryly, you know, the, the list of. You know, such and such is happening, and don't forget to buy your prom tickets. No, not prom. So you kind of had there. like your own TV we station. We had kind of our or... own TV station. Oh but my it was, god! It was like not that. And I think it was it was set up that like the president of the student council got to go on and like they got to do you know the student portion of the morning announcements. But um, but if a club or an organization on campus had an announcement to make, the kids could go up there and they could get on campus. Oh, that is great. And so our, our science teacher said, why don't you guys go on the morning announcements and, and do, like, find, do something creative. like Do something fun that'll you know, get kids to come out to our you know, science club or whatever. And Brian and I at the time were obsessed with Saturday Night Live. I mean, we would watch it every week without fail. We would watch the repeats that they had at the time on Comedy Central. We would imitate the skits. We would do everything. And so Brian came up with this idea, well, why don't we do our announcement in the form of a skit? So we started writing these skits that were basically ripping off of (laughs) Matt Foley, motivational speaker, played by Chris Farley, and Hans and Franz, played by Dana Carvey and Kevin Nealon. (laughs) And I think those were our two main go-tos. We did a couple other ones too, but, um, and we started doing these comedic quote unquote comedic I mean we thought they were funny I don't, I don't know but I, I don't know if they actually were um, but we started doing these almost every week we would go down to the morning announcements and we would do right. these skits together <coughs> and we slowly but surely became known throughout the school by you know by the kids at the school like for the as the two guys who were doing this, you know, stuff. And we kind of gained a a reputation for being, you know, these like funny guys and whatever. And that continued in high school. We did the morning announcements. Oh, wow. uh, All through high school. And, and then it was my, the end of my freshman year, um, my English class, we were given the option to either write a 25 page report or they were trying out what they called a new media project. And you could do a new media project. Basically, you'd have to come up with whatever that was. It had to do with, like, radio, TV, art, or something else. Um, And you'd have to pitch the idea to the teacher. Uh, And then if she approved it, you could do it. And so, basically, it was... And it had to be about Romeo and Juliet uh, because we had read that. And so, a friend of mine and I came up with the idea. Well, what if we, like, did a abridged version of Romeo and Juliet and we filmed it and it was just the two of us so it meant that basically one per it was actually we had a girl in it who played Juliet but I ended up playing like 8 or 10 characters wow from from Romeo and Juliet and we you know it was like a 20 minute film (laughs) which I mean much. it probably could have been 5 it didn't need to be that long in hindsight but uh, you know, my teacher called me aside after class, and she was like, "So have you ever thought about acting and i my thought to myself was, "What is that? I mean, I knew what acting was, but i didn't i never ever thought about uh acting in terms of something I could do, or that was like a possibility wow, and um, so her saying that to me like radically changed my life from that point forward. She said, well, I think you should go out for the school play in the fall. And at the time, I was actually working out and, like, exercising to prepare f- to be on the football team because I thought that would be fun. And I'd never really been in- into sports that much. And um, and so that that shifted, and I didn't end in up going mile. out for tryouts for the football team because they were the same week as auditions for the school play wow wow what was that play what was that first one it was a play called The Dining Room uh, by A.R. Gurney I believe that's the name of the author A.R. Gurney Um, and it's a play where there are six actors and each actor plays about seven to ten roles throughout the play because it's a collection of scenes that all happen around a dining room table It's cool. um, So yeah, it it was a very, uh, very interesting and insightful um, experience. And and then for the rest of my high school career, I basically was in every main stage production at my high school. From that point forward, Um, and it was, it was, yeah, it was definitely laying the foundation.
1: Wow, that is so cool.
5: Yeah. So. Did you do? uh,
1: Open mics or community theater? Yeah, or any know, open mics
5: all the time. I didn't do a ton of community theater. Um, I just never got into that. Um, oh, this is not where we need to be. Sorry, I'm also driving while doing this extensive interview. <laughs> so, bear with me, everyone. Um, yeah, I didn't do a lot of community theater. I, I went straight from school, from high school, to an acting conservatory in New York. And the first thing they said when we got there was, you're not supposed to audition for anything. Which never really uh, felt right with me. Yeah. Um, their philosophy was, we, we want to train you, we want to break you down and retrain you before you go out and start acting and stuff. And, and I always thought, well, like, what? what is a better way to learn than, like, by doing? Yeah. By actually, like, doing it and trying, you know? Um, so I guess just different schools of thought. Um so I didn't do any community theater. Um, I just kind of had this, you know, experience in New York, and I was supposed to be there for two years. I left after a year, um, and then I, uh, uh, and then I went out to California and started film school. Oh, that's great! So I was wondering if we could maybe. Be- if you'd be open to something. Mm. Can we continue this interview another time? Only oh, yeah. Because I'm doing a lot of talking yeah. before a show. Oh, shoot, yeah. And I don't you want my sing. voice to get too tired. Yes. But this is right. Ladies and gentlemen, so we shall pick it up, we shall pick, it up pick it up.
1: While. Part two. Sayonara. So, um... Hey, hey. I So, Pauly, we're, um... So it's 4.33, we're going on stage what time tonight?
6: 9.45 slash 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And
1: how many times have you been on this stage performing with well, in your illustrious career?
6: This stage in particular? This mm-hmm. is the first. It's the first, yeah.
1: Now, second question, how many times have you done stage dives off this stage?
6: stage dives successful stage dives successful ones where i have not injured myself mm-hmm. or others mm-hmm. 0 0
1: mm-hmm. and the others have involved someone getting injured
6: yes usually
1: what who was usually getting injured
6: audience members uh oh but, but 99.9% of the time it's audience members and 0.01% of the time it's myself and that's kind of done me in are they just uh, do you think they're just not ready to catch you, or what? 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 where is,
1: where is the folly? Um. The folly was
6: in my volley. Hmm.
1: The folly usually does lie in the volley, doesn't it?
6: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I volleyed a little too too far. Oh, you volleyed yeah. too far. My, I I misjudged the distance of the volley. Oh good God. Oh good God.
1: So they just didn't they just didn't
6: catch you appropriately. And you know only you know that you always have to you have to judge your volley properly before yeah. you attempt to to do. Otherwise, you get a folly.
1: Otherwise, you get a folly. Um, yeah, you got you have got to dial in that volley <laughs> mm-hmm. folly. No, no otherwise, dive, a folly.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, no stage dives.
1: So. I'm thinking if we had a, a really short bungee cord for tonight's performance, you could at least bungee off the top of the um off the balcony and then get right back up to the top.
6: It said um, bungee cord mm-hmm. was attached to, like, a a, a belt, mm-hmm. like a Batman belt, oh, uti- yeah. oh, utility yeah. belt. Absolutely. And I could, like, oh, geez, press yes. a button and it could just go... You did it exactly. Like oh. a, I have like a, you oh, know, God. my glasses has a, has oh, a in, yeah. not an infrared, but like a oh, laser pointer oh, yeah. Uh, um, aim. Yeah, so, yeah. So you always get the Target aim right. Target aim. So oh, I my God. That red Dude. Button, and it attaches to that Ooh. rail. It <laughs> can go sailing up, or vice versa. Like I it, Ooh, it can launch you up there. It, could button, launch it can launch you back. It could slowly Ooh. Up, like drop me down to the floor. Ooh,
1: that sounds so rich and ripe right about now. Yeah.
6: I could probably aim if they if the bungee cord or cable, it sounds like it'd have to be
1: a cable. Oh yeah. If the
6: cable was long enough I could probably go up to that
1: scaffolding. Oh yeah. Oh my god yeah.
6: Yeah.
1: Holy cow. Can you imagine? Holy cow.
6: How my insurance rates would go up at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then you'd also be I bet get you get a lot of sponsorship from um, companies that make padding and also saxophones.
6: Uh, maybe indestructible saxophones.
1: Yeah, because they could say, we sponsor these indestructible saxophones for a, a daredevil, a stuntman. A stuntman, yeah. if you will. Like uh, titanium. That's really titanium. strong. Titanium. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Titanium indeed.
6: Yeah. I don't know about the acoustical properties of titanium, but um, it'd be pretty sturdy. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I know so. I mean, I'm the expert on the... Subject. You're
1: the expert on the titanium. Yes,
6: titanium saxophone.
1: Do you also know a lot about adamantium, which is the uh, the strongest metal in the Marvel universe?
6: No, but I did notice that there's a lot of band members missing, and they just brought beer into our green room recently. Oh, jeez. Hold so, on. Maybe it's time
1: back back. for us to go take a let's go take a walk into the some might call it the wild side. Let's go take a walk into the wild side. Oh, I see Chaz drinking something. Oh, it is. All right. Well. Hey, man. Good to see you again. I'm so glad we're all uh collaborating on tonight's experience. These are warm, that's why I
6: know it's going through.
1: Oh. Warm roots. Well that's why they someone put them up in the freezer. I'll put one up near the freezer too. Monkey see monkey do. Monkey
0: see monkey do. How you do, how you do, monkey say, monkey do. How you do, how
1: you do. Let's make sure there's one beer for each of these rascals. So no one...
4: Monkey say, monkey do. the beer cold?
5: Mmm... Mm-hmm. No. Not
1: quite yet. However, as they say, warm beer is better than no beer. At least that's what—that's that. what I've heard them say. Yeah,
5: drink
4: more beers back in high school, when we like try to sneak a beer out, and go, you know like the only beer you have is like you gotta drink it.
1: Oh yeah. If you want a beer, you're
4: like trying to put it—you don't even like beer at the time. You're
1: like, oh. Yeah, you just trying to force it down. Yeah. Tommy, what was the first time? I was asking Phil in the car here today. Um, his his history with singing and all that jazz. What was the first time you you, like, picked up a guitar? And or, well, first question,
4: what was the first time you picked up a guitar? Um, my mom forced me to play a guitar when I was 10 years old. Well, she forced me to play an instrument, and I chose a guitar. Mm. And she bought me this tiny classical guitar, but it was like a mini guitar. I was 10, so it was like small size. So I remember just like, uh, it was like in the car after soccer practice in the, in the minivan. And I was like in the back, try, like just messing You're around You are strumming with in the minivan? Yeah, trying to figure something. I didn't know what I was doing, but then I went to lessons and... I vaguely, I was ten, so I vaguely remember the lessons, but I know the first song I learned was "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." You know what I mean? Like, ding, ding, ding,
2: ding, ding, ding. ding.
4: And I remember I played that for my grandparents after like my first or second lesson, and they were all like, "Woo!" So. That's
2: so when the you earliest. saw
5: that
1: kind of progress happening with the learning guitar, did it did it inspire you more to well, learn I, songs? Well, honestly, the
4: first year or so of playing, I was like, eh, I was just going because I had to. Didn't really love it that much, but then I had a friend at school that was into Nirvana. and grunge music at the time. This is 1994. And, uh, so he was, like, after school one day, he was, like, showing me... He had a, strat- like, an electric guitar. I didn't have an electric. Oh, boy. And he started showing, uh... It was changed everything. He started showing me, uh, like, Come As You Are by Nirvana and, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I, like, couldn't... Because I had been taking lessons, I, like, could play it instantly. You know what I mean? So it was, like, instant gratification. Oh, man. And then I remember... I, like, begged my mom for a Stratocaster because I really wanted, like, an electric guitar. So I got... She got... I begged for a while. and I don't know if it was, like, a birthday or Christmas or whatever, but they bought me, like, a Fender Squire, like, the $150 one or whatever. And I remember once I got it, I, like, sat in my room and put on Green Day Dookie and just tried to learn the whole album because it was, like, all power chords. Wow. Which is, like, a really simple chord if you don't know a guitar. And I just, like, would go through the whole album. And from there, I just, like, I was, like, learning Nirvana songs. And then I learned Metallica songs. And then I was learning 311 and all these other 90s bands. I was just learning all 90s music. And then I kind of stopped in high school. And then at the end of high school, I realized I wasn't going to be in the NBA. And I was like, I really love music anyway, so I want to do that. And I just kind of, like, went back to guitar lessons and threw myself into it, like, Pretty hardcore. What was the first time you actually got up on stage and played in front of people? Um, this is funny. This is a uh, seventh grade. So my seventh grade band teacher allowed me to play guitar in the band in the school band, which oh, cool. was cool. You know, so like as long as I was reading music, which I was, and she let you know, we play along with whatever band song we were doing, and then she allowed me to one of my friends that was a drummer and another friend that played guitar. We didn't have a bassist. But she would always see us like trying to play rock and roll songs during band band and being like, we're not playing that, you know? <laughs> but to, to her credit, she was like, okay, well you guys can play one rock and roll song at the school concert. Oh, that's right? great. Oh, that's so great. So we were like, we're going to do Nirvana song and I wasn't the singer. This other dude was a singer. I was the guitar player and we didn't have a bass player because nobody was good enough to play bass and we we're the drummer and... We didn't want to do Smells Like Teen Spirit because it was like, oh, that's the cliche. We were like, too cool for that, 13 years old, you know what I mean? 12, 13, like, we're not doing Smells Like Teen Spirit. So we did this, like, super rare (laughs) B-side called, called, like, Verse Chorus Verse or something like that, um, which is a great Nirvana song, actually. And I learned the whole guitar solo, so I took the solo in the middle of the thing. But I was so fucking nervous going in front of the whole school, you know what I mean? It was like the whole school came to this recital in the middle of the school day. And before our song, I was fucking, like, I had never been that nervous in my life. But I got up on stage, did it, and it was, like, instant afterwards. Everybody in school was, like, all of a sudden we were rock stars. And that was the first time I was, like, oh, this music thing is pretty cool. Like, all the girls are coming up to us. like, (laughs) you guys are awesome. (laughs) Oh, my God, that was amazing. Because we, like, did a fucking cool rock and roll song instead of all these lame bands. And uh, so, yeah. So that was that, and then I actually, like I said, I actually kind of stopped in high school for a bit because I was like focused on sports. I didn't, I never quit per se. I just like didn't play as much. You know what I mean? I like wasn't dedicated to it, so I was just too busy doing other shit. And yeah, then at the end of high school, I went to C three eleven at Lupo's in Providence, and I walked out of that concert in nineteen ninety nine, which is like I think that was I was in eleventh grade. It was like October of ninety nine. And I walked out of that concert, and I was like, said to my buddy, my best friend who ended up playing bass in my band, I was like, "We're starting a band together." That's it. We're we fucking incredible. doing That's incredible. And I had like one year <sighs> left of sports, and like at the as soon as I was done with basketball, my senior year, we were like going full force on the band. Oh my
1: god, so yeah, dude! Fun. And then little did you realize that one day you'd be playing basketball with the dudes, and then
5: and being on cruise. their
1: freaking cruise, man. Talk yeah. about manifestation of reality right. without you even realizing it. You, that was you, a synchronicity. <sighs> that was like, oh my god that is brilliant that's brilliant dave david oh yeah tell me more about your uh so then so then what was
4: the first band that you were in well that band that i played in front of the school we had a name called early dismissal oh that's great yeah and but we never really played out we never really played a show at a club or anything like that and then uh
2: So after you saw 311, that was the band. first
4: real band, right? Was that the one? After you saw 311, you go, yeah, let's make a band? Or was there right. one before? So that band was started off being called Premonition. And we did that from like... Wow, talk about Premonition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. So that was like from like 2000, 2001 to 2003. We broke up the band in 2003 for like six months. And we came back as a band called Someday Providence. And that was the band from 2004... To 2010 When I moved out here Well to th- We really broke up in '09. It was like 04, Like five years And we had A pretty big Like local hit The song that I wrote Called Summertime in Rhode Island And it was like Huge Wow um, Huge locally Not huge like Yeah Nationally But like It was kind of unheard of. It is still kind of unheard of For like a local band To get played Like we were played on The alternative rock Radio Incredible. station Incredible Oh my god That's and it, awesome and It wasn't like During the The local show it was like they would play us during the regular rotation amazing stuff. and we were like number one on the top 12 songs of the week or something like that it was great. amazing so yeah we had and we ended up having like a really good following in rhode island we played a show at, at lupo is actually the place where i saw 311 Although it had moved to the you street, you played
1: at the same stage that you had. Seen well, it was the play. same
4: club, but the club had moved down the street, so it was technically different. But Three Eleven has played at that club too, so incredible, anyway.
1: incredible.
4: So we played it there at like the height of our whatever you want to call it success, sort of success, and we drew like eight hundred something people for a local band, which is like, and that's not like paying. And that's not a free show. That's like.
3: Wow. Eight hundred something
4: people paid the company. We were the headliner. Wow. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty crazy. And then we also played there a bunch of times, opening for Badfish, which is the Sublime tribute band. Oh. And that those were like always sold out, two thousand plus people. And uh, so that was really cool. Every wow. Time we played those. Yeah. So you did. So that
1: that's what was going on before you moved out here, to California. Right. What a great like, what a great thing to have as. Because you had so much momentum in
4: that And then moving out here It was right. great Because I was always really trying to get the band To move to L.A. with me Also that's what 311 did They were in from Omaha And they were like We're moving to L.A. And we're going to get signed And they did So I was trying to always convince my band Like we got to go to L.A. And when it became clear They weren't coming with me I was like Well I'm going And here I am Now I'm in Yachtley Crew Did they Did they continue making music With their mm-hmm. band or no? Well they're all doing different things. Um, drummer is playing in a 90s tribute band called The Pogs. Bass player isn't doing anything, but he's been talking about doing stuff again. And we might have to go for some. Are these guys aware that, that uh, 311
1: is, you're playing on 311 Cruise? They are aware, yeah. Oh my God, they must be flipping out. You tell me how loud
5: you want to you hear my voice today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Check, check. Two, two. Uh-huh.
1: You are now hearing check, the check, sound check.
5: Bring it up in the bass switch, Bringing it on up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Check check. Can you bring him up in can you bring me up in we, in my ears too?
1: We shall yes. talk more.
5: Hey, hey. Check, check,
1: check, more check, later. Check,
2: check. This is for your in ear. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Cool.
1: I've been asking these guys their, their roots, where they came from, like the kinds of things that first got them interested in their instruments and the first times they got up on stage. What So, you started as a drummer? And I mean, we're here where are you talking with David Bowie. Well, you started as a drummer?
3: Well, naturally, um, drums were first for me, but um, all my, my uncles, who are just a few years older than me, um, had a little mini band going on down in the basement. So, there was a drum kit and some guitar playing and stuff going on. My grandfather was a guitar player. Who grabbed my but um, you know the first uh, the first time I remember Thomas Tommy was telling the story about a high school thing. I'd been playing in kid band since you know 10, 11, 12 playing you know neighborhood parties out out in the neighborhood. You and you know, the kids? And, yeah, yeah. Me you and, and, and Me and a couple other guys. What were some
1: of your beginning bands? Your well, we were playing bands. we were
3: playing well we were playing Beatles songs and stuff like that. I had a, I had a band called um, uh Oh man, I can't think of any of the names of those groups It's so hard to believe Well the last one The last big one was Molotov Grasshopper And before that there was uh, uh, Something Something 22 I don't remember what it was but, you know, we were just playing. Just that 11 flat. or 12? We, we were doing covers. Going around the, town. There was a band that I would sub in for, it, and they were called Curb and the Cruise Tones, because the guys' names Nice Curve. The guys' names was uh, Cruz, and then the guy uh, who played guitar was Keith Kerbo, and they were doing, like, Rush and all yeah, kinds yeah, of stuff. They had a really, really good drummer. Awesome. Um, and So I sat behind him most of the time and watched him, and then when oh. he would get tired, I'd sit in and play the Easy Beatle songs and stuff like that. Oh, that's great. So that's when that all went down. And then... Uh, you know and then and then I, I didn't get real serious. I never even owned my own drum set until I was 17 and I bought it used off a buddy of mine for 100 bucks. Dad and, and uh, set it up oh, in my yeah. girlfriend's basement. Philly's oh, dad. Hey. It. And played with uh, and played with the stereo. You know, two speakers on both sides of it. You just sit there and you rehearse, you rehearse. Yeah, yeah. And so then when I got into college, my buddy Jerry was a really good guitar player and him and I had a band it called it? In The House. I-N-D-A-H-O-U-S. And uh, we just did instrumentals, purely instrumentals. No singing, no nothing. And sometimes we'd have a couple of guest appearances. But that's where I earned my chops. And that's when I became a really solid player. And one day, We were letting a guy, a buddy of ours, crash on our couch. He was in from Florida. Um, He was going to school down in Miami U. And he came back for like a holiday week. I don't remember if it was Christmas time or spring break, actually.
2: And we were playing one night. We were all smoking,
3: you know, some bowls and stuff and hanging out shooting shit. And he looks at me and he goes, Dave, I want you to get into a band. You are way too good to be playing upstairs in this house right now. You need to get into a band. And he says, I'm going to help you find one. And so one day he shows up at my house and he pulled a tab off of uh, one of them, you know, flyers with a tab on it. He says they're looking for a band, and here's a a drummer. Here's here's the bands that they play, and I want you to go audition for them. And he forced me to go do it. I was 20, and then uh, I turned 21, and then I was I I was led in the band. And I'm wondering if it's because I was 21 and I could buy beer. (laughs) <laughs> or if I was really that good but that was the beginning of Molotov Grasshopper the three piece version before we oh, had our, our female singer so Ben and Tony and I were playing in a, in a shithole basement um, you know, dungy, nasty, grotesque and we would play house parties and stuff and we just started writing songs and that's how we built a catalog we had a catalog of about 100 songs and then when uh, Amy joined the band a couple of years later we he put up uh, sure. a pro- about. She had another, probably eighty, that we t- put into the, the rotation, and then she primarily took over and became the main singer. Got signed to a major label deal, toured, you know, all over the Midwest. Played some of the same venues that a lot of these uh, these guys like 311 were playing in. In fact, Nick knew the, the the Blue Note that I was mentioning when I met him at the poker uh, party that we played. He comes up to me and I, I was shake talking to him, and I go, "Hey, man, you know, I saw you play back in the day, Columbia, Missouri." And he goes, "Blue Note." And I said, "That's it." I so we play, We almost opened for you one time. <laughs> this would have been 1990. You talk about the, the poker to charity. We played. Yeah, the charity event. Wait, he was there, the three eleven guy. Yeah, he was there. Really? He was there playing. He got knocked out early, and I saw him leaving, and I walked over to him because I could tell it's him. He's this tall, you know. I got Whoa. a picture with him. Wow! I didn't realize oh, he's he was there. A super nice guy. So yeah, we had talked before. So it's going to be kind of cool to have everybody, you know, get together again. Should be good. Is that the same guy that Tommy plays basketball with? Yes. That's and it. did
1: Tommy? Tommy, did you see him at the poker thing?
3: He he didn't. He missed him. I tried to find him, and he was somewhere around. Nick at the poker thing. Oh, I didn't realize that. I tried because I came backstage to try to find you guys. So anyway, that's a brief history in time. That's incredible.
1: So that, but that, and then uh, that led you. At what point did you join the Larrys? I remember you telling me about that one. We
3: uh, at one point um, when when Molotov was on the verge of demise uh, either we were going to make a move or we were going to stop playing or, or stay in Kansas City and I said uh, I suggested jokingly that we move to LA and they all agreed well, I couldn't believe it and so in 1998 we all moved out to Los Angeles Wow. that band continued on for a couple of years and kind of uh, you know flustered and didn't really do too well and then uh, while I was involved with that some guys came over to me one night and said man we need a drummer for our band we were called the Larry's and it's a joke thing and this is what we're going to do and they gave me the whole premise and uh, and then that band took off And we were playing everywhere in Hollywood The House of Blues, Los Angeles, the Whiskey, the Roxy um, The gig on Melrose was our primary spot Which is no longer there It's now uh, it's, it's kind of I'll,
1: I'll talk to you later He's got to
3: say something That's okay, pause
1: And now Some
0: very, very special sounds From Paul E. Shores shores the maestro himself
1: everything, everything okay we are here with paulie shores we have um been waiting to interview this fella he's my unofficial brother my brother right here paulie shores stony shores from yatley crew and um paulie is the sax the sexy sax player the daredevil the stunt man of the group and um I need to know, Paulie, what was it that first inspired you to pick up the saxophone? Uh,
6: That you could also do circus stunts while you played the instrument. Ooh! Like, um, you could jump on the trampoline Mm -hmm. uh, and play, you know, the theme to, um, uh, what do you call it, Uh, James Bond? Oh, yeah! Ooh! Oh, yeah! Is that what he's talking about? I think so.
1: Dun, dun, oh, yeah, to double doors. Dun, dun, he's like, don't go down the elevator. Dun, 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 and so, and oh, jump. yeah, he wasn't kidding. This is He's very true
6: about that. And he could jump on the trampoline. Can we go back in this way is the question? No. Oh, you guys going in the loading dock or to do the parking garage? Yeah, you can go the right way. Yeah. Down to one. Number one.
1: Let's see if we can just lightly... Uh, oh. Um. So, okay. So, you started doing that, and then... <clears throat> how old were you when you first started playing the saxophone?
6: Oh, t- Let's see, I remember, I signed up for 6th grade band, Mm -hmm. and it was the most popular instrument at the time. So, um, I was actually in band for several weeks, probably several months, a couple months, without my instrument. I was like the only, no, there were a couple other kids, because the store was, the the store, the local, I grew up in Salinas, which at the time was under 75,000 people population, so the school I was at was very small. And the band director was only like, we only had band like two, three days a week. It wasn't an everyday class. It was like an after-school class thing. Wait, is so, it? No, oh, wait. this is where my car is. Oh, this is it. Okay, yeah. Um, so we are going to the parking level four oh, in the yeah. House of Blues parking level four. Uh, for general parking. Um, that's where we're headed right now for our uh, audio people in um, listening land. Audio, audio land. Um, so to continue along with my...
1: I love that listening land. That's so yeah. good. Listening land and audio land.
6: Audio land. Um. So you
1: saw you saw some great success in others playing the saxophone. And you did you were there any musicians that you I had did, heard I who had played the saxophone? You're like, ooh, I like that. I like that. Like that sounds really good.
6: Um, yeah, I mean, the, the initial initial attraction to the oh. instrument was uh, kind of an aesthetic thing. Oh. Like it wasn't an auditory like like uh, I, it wasn't because I I knew specifically how the saxophone sounded and I wanted that to be my sound, it was more like a, I like how that instrument looks, it's kind of cool because I was oh, a 6th yeah. grader, you know oh, oh, right, I really right, care right. about, I listened to like whatever, at least a cult jam in the 80s like I didn't really care about music, I was just like whatever I can dance to with my friends I didn't really care about instruments or music or whatever, so um, it was just really just like, that looks like a cool instrument it's shaped like an S I need something to do with my life because I'm in sixth grade and I don't really have like anything that I stick out and I'm good at. So I'm going to try this one thing. I was good at sports. I was clumsy as you can tell uh, i broke did you my join leg the school those. band yes. with yes. this saxophone so joined, did you start like really re- well okay yes that's what i was trying to tell you i joined the school band and uh this i didn't have an instrument for two months because the store was out of them so we had to order them we're coming home from school every day asking my mom did my saxophone come yet did you pick it oh up did God. the store call has my saxophone come two months every day after school i was so excited to start playing the saxophone like uh, it was like all I could think about oh my god and when it finally came I, re- I mean, I don't remember the exact day and time of the week and the year and stuff I don't, I don't, all I remember is that it was like I couldn't put it down I couldn't oh. stop playing it. in fact I went into my garage of my parents house I totally forgot about this story I used to tell this to my students And because when I would teach private lessons, I would tell them, you know, because you're teaching them the first time students, you're teaching them how, you know, it's okay that you're making mistakes. Here's an example of how I made a mistake. I didn't have a private teacher until I was playing the saxophone for four years. So I was trying to discover it on my own, what my band director would tell me in the class with other, you know, 25 other kids. And, and, and. And, and the first night I played by myself before I even went to band class and so my, my, my director corrected me I had the mouthpiece upside down <laughs> so on the saxophone so the whole time you if, were playing you in the garage it was upside down yeah if you understand probably about 45 minutes to an hour something to my mouth couldn't handle it anymore um, like if you know anything about the mechanics of the saxophone the way it's, 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 it's cr- the way the sound is created is there's a plastic or some kind of there's metal mouthpieces on saxophone too uh, there's some kind of mouthpiece that the wooden uh, bamboo reed that 's filed down to a really like thin like balsa wood kind of super mm. thin really if you can under if you can kind of imagine what a reed mm. looks like, cut into a little square that fit on top of the mouthpiece, you blow through it and it 's like your vocal cords it vibrates against the mouthpiece and creates a sound like uh, oh, wow! When you hear that sound with your voice, that the the way that translates to the saxophone mechanics is, it's instead of vocal cords vibrating against each other, it's a wooden reed vibrating against the mouthpiece of the saxophone. Interesting. So, if everybody in in Listening Land or Auditoryville puts her hand on their voice box it goes yeah. uh, uh, you can feel those vibrations yeah. right? so for every sound created you have to have some kind of vibration if it's uh, flute it's the air vibrating really? over the mouthpiece if it's the, the, the oboe it's the reeds vibrating against each other if saxophone is a reed against a plastic mouthpiece and a trumpet is the lips so is the saxophone is- similar to uh, the way that a uh, uh, uh- a kazoo would work? Yes, because the kazoo has reeds, but it's, it's a plastic. Going, it's like a plastic sheet, a, plas- a sheet of plastic that right. vibrates against the, uh-huh. the, uh, the 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 diaphragm. It's, it creates a diaphragm. So the saxophone is less about blowing
1: the air in and more about uh, No, you, there's no right? voice no, oh you're no, not sorry. that was oh, merely so you're an example Oh, oh, oh you're, well, oh, oh, you're okay, not using okay.
6: your vocal cords at all when you play saxophone was oh, okay, so just a, okay, gotcha. an analogy oh gotcha so okay, when you oh, play gotcha, saxophone gotcha. it sounds more like this I'll try not to blow right into the microphone so if you can just hold it like this oh, yeah. a little 45 degree angle I'll blow across it when you play saxophone all you do into the mouthpiece is go <sighs> you just blow air and that's it but okay. you have to get okay. you have to get your lips the right shape and your and the the the, uh, the orifice the inside of your mouth the correct shape to oh, get the the And the way your tongue is positioned. This kind of. I'm well, sure the tongue creates. Word. The tongue stops and starts the sound. So the only the only oh. time the only role that your tongue plays is t- like when you're talking. Yeah. T- when you articulate. Ta, 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 same way. That's the, really the only way you use your tongue on the saxophone. I mean, once you get into it and after you've been playing for like a few years and you're getting really advanced, you can actually adjust the pitch with your tongue, but that's really advanced, way down Whoa. the line. Like I never teach that, t- that no. to it. No. Have you learned it, though? Yeah, you you've have to do that it. to hit those really high notes. So, so for Yachtley Crew. Yeah. you're doing that? Yeah, that using my tongue. Yeah. It's like your vocal Dude, cords. Dude, there's so, so much cooperation you're, happening. Yeah, it's a lot of manipulation of the air stream and the reed like bending the reed at your air at Whoa. the same time. It's very advanced stuff, yeah. Because it's easy. Saxophones is a, it's a, it's a kind of a, uh, uh, what do you call it, like a uh, a misleading instrument because kids pick it up or students pick it up for the first time and they blow on it and and it, it's easy to create a sound right off the bat. You can learn, mm. you can know like, I have kids that come back when I was teaching over at the, uh, the, the sixth grade band. We have class, it's kind of a, I'd like to change the format of the band class but that's not for this for this time it's a different story but we meet once a week okay so maybe I I give the kids their instrument the first week and they make the worst sounds ever in the world it's like I record it every year so I can play it at the concert so the parents can hear it brilliant but the saxophones always come back two weeks later and they've learned either Careless Whisper or Baker Street on their own on YouTube
2: after two weeks so Oh my god That shows you
6: how easy it is To find the notes On the saxophone Like it's like easy Kids get oh, Kids get wow. lulled into it And they're like Oh it's it's such an easy Instrument to play I want to play this So everybody it Sounds like a very Encouraging instrument And it looks instrument. Cool. Yeah yeah it is it's, it, You get good results Right off the bat But um, um, It's hard to play well It's hard to play in tune it's hard to do that articulation you're talking about. And kids right away get kind of uh, mesmerized by all of the buttons. Oh, yeah. And they want to, like, just play really fast. You know, like, they oh. blow, and they don't know what they're doing, and they move their fingers across. Because the- <laughs> oh, there's, like, yeah. the saxophone has, like, oh. 25 different oh, buttons on it. Oh, my God, yeah. 25 different buttons. And it's like, oh, you can just go hog wild and just sound Yeah, like, it make, looks like a
1: tree. Like even, like a, yeah, a button, I When buttons, I look right? at that, it looks like it's a tree of but, buttons. But, the but it is. The it, little...
6: I think, in my opinion, after teaching and playing music for over two decades, I think the saxophone is one of the easier instruments to play incredible once you understand the mechanics and how to do it the trumpet seems easy because it only has three keys it's not like you have to play seven different notes with one key key combination like like open if you don't press any buttons and you blow with your lips you have to be able to do this Like, oh be able to hit God. different pitches with just your mouthpiece and your lips. So each so like little thing you're very, pushing
1: in is a different octave, so to speak? Is that what it is? It, it that enables was a very a,
6: bohemian example. Like a very, yeah. so not bohemian, what's a better word? A very, I like that word. I'm going to start uh, using no. it.
1: Bohemian. I don't know if that's the right Very content. raw, very... Yes, uh, very raw, yeah, yeah.
6: unperfect. Like, you yeah. get the impression yeah. that I'm trying to, like, the, yeah. what I'm talking about. But it's Perfect. actually, it's very challenging. Trumpet is very, brass instruments are all very challenging. you have to be able to hear the pitch and also vibrate your lips at the right frequency and get the right finger combination a saxophone you just pretty much blow and you press the right keys and it'll do the right thing as long as you don't I mean there are some things but I think flute is also a hard instrument you try playing the flute for the first time for 20 minutes and you feel like you're going to pass out oh geez yeah because you're there's nothing to vibrate. You just blow across the top of it. So if we misdirect your air and you get no oh, results, you just oh, can't get a sound. Oh, and after oh. like even 20 seconds of that, I'm already feeling lightheaded. So having the reed
1: kind of helps you, yeah, it, it lets you, you gauge. It's like a, yeah. oh, that's cool. Dude, no, no, no,
6: that's my story.
1: You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That is Polly Shores, the saxophone extraordinaire. You have got to come to the Yachtley Cruise Show to experience it yourself to really, really, really feel the vibes, feel the vibes. Uh, this is the last segment on this podcast. You're listening to Inspirato Projecto. Please feel free to go to uh, podcastawards.com and, and vote for Inspirato Projecto as Best Arts Podcast and also the Adam Curry Award, if that, if that excites you. Um, also, tonight, we're at the House of Blues, Anaheim. That's where we're at, Anaheim, tonight. Go to yachtlycrew.com Get your free tickets before 6 o'clock Oh, it's, it's at 6:30 right now. Well, anyway, come on by. We'll see you later. More, uh, more to come. Keep that in mind.